Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the attraction towards sin as we pick up in Genesis chapter 13, verse 11. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. But looking to himself first, he he chose the plain of Jordan, and then he pitched his tent toward Sodom. The next time we find him, he is sitting in the gates of Sodom. Or actually, he's living in Sodom because he's captured as he lives in Sodom. So uh, the beginning, pitching towards Sodom, attracted somehow by this wicked city. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. It was a very wicked place. And yet Lot seemed to be somehow attracted by it. There does seem to be a certain type of an attraction to sin. Satan does make it look very attracting. There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You want to look down the road and find out what it leads to. Sin can be very exciting. Sin can be very thrilling. It would be, it would be wrong to say that it isn't. It can be very pleasurable but it eventuates in death. The wise man will look down and see where is the road leading. It might be a fun road to travel. It might be filled with allurement, excitement. But where is the path leading me? My ambition is to someday ride the rapids, either in the Grand Canyon or up in Idaho, I just would love to get on a raft and, and go down the rapids. I think that it would be, a, I'm just looking forward to someday doing that, either now or in the millennium, but someday I'm going to ride the rapids. <laughs> but there are rapids that I have no desire to ride, and those are the rapids above Niagara Falls. <laughs> now, I don't doubt, but what they're just as exciting as the Grand Canyon or any other rapids that you might ride. But I don't like where it ends. So you're going down, wee, fun, exciting, thrill, thrill. Man, the roar of the falls is getting louder. You know, you're heading for destruction. And so the person in the path of sin, excitement, thrilling, but you're heading towards destruction. The end thereof are the ways of death. Lot was attracted. He pitched his tent towards Sodom, this exceedingly wicked and sinful city, even before Lot ever got there. And Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, pitched his tent. And then the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot was separated from him, It was probably a a difficult experience. Lot had become like a son to Abram. He was close. Abram loved him. And parting is never an easy experience. You you see Lot taking off, and it's always harder to be the one that's left. It's always easier, I think, to go than to be the one that's left behind. 
Uh, and, and to see them going, it always gives you sort of an empty, sinking feeling as, as, as they sort of disappear over the hill, you know. And I can imagine for Abram, it was a, here he'd been traveling for years together now. For probably something like 50 years they'd been together, close. And now he sees Lot taking off and there has to be an ache in the heart, a lump in the throat. And so the Lord comes to comfort Abram. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot was departed from him, Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art, northward, southward, eastward, westward. For all the land which you see, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. God's promise to Abraham from the area there at between Bethel and Ai, this mountain peak. Looking towards the north, you see the area of Samaria. You can look clear on up and see Mount Hermon on a clear day. And he wasn't bothered with smog in those days. Looking towards the east, you see the mountains of Moab. Looking towards the south, you see the area of Jerusalem, the southern range of the Jerusalem mountains, clear on down to the area of Beersheba. Looking towards the west, you see the Sharon plains and the Mediterranean. And so God said, just look to the north, the south, the east, the west, just as far as you can see, Abram, I'm going to give you this land to you and to your seed. And God was going to give it to him forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Now God promised, hey, I'm going to multiply your seed like the dust of the earth. Now, later on, God said to Abram in chapter 15, look up into the heavens, and I am going to make your seed like the stars of the sky, innumerable. Hey, that's an interesting, interesting thing, because modern science in that day thought that there were 6,126 stars. They didn't think they were innumerable. Many of the ancient people had counted the stars. And up until the time of Galileo, we didn't realize that there were so many stars out there in the universe. But now, they estimate the number of stars to be just so vast that you really can't count them all. There are billions of galaxies, like our Milky Way galaxy, and there are billions of stars in our Milky Way galaxy. Someone has estimated that there might be as many as 10 to the 25th power stars. But it's also interesting, they've estimated that if you would take the amount of sand in a cubic inch and take the volume of the Earth, there's probably 10 to the 25th power grains of sand that make up the Earth. So in God saying, I'm going to make your 
seed as the sands of the sea or as, as the dust of the earth, and then as the stars of heaven, they're probably sort of an equal number here. But the interesting thing is God said the whole idea is that they'll be innumerable. You won't be able to count them. Now, God's promise was that you can't count them, and David's sin was what? He tried to count them. He took a census. God didn't want a census taken of his people because God's promise is they're going to be innumerable as the sands of the sea. You're not going to be able to count them. David's sin was in taking a census and counting the people, and it brought God's judgment against Israel because of David's sin in counting the people. So since then, they didn't take census in Israel, but everyone had to put a shekel into the temple treasury, and then they'd count the shekels. But the Orthodox Jew to the present day will not count off in a group. If you're in a group and you're playing party games and you've got a number in the group, an Orthodox Jew will not be numbered. And so they'll say, you're not one, not two, not three, not four, not five. <laughs> you can always figure out ways to get around things, you know. So we're really not numbering because you're not one <laughs> and you're not two. But the promise to God is the dust of the earth cannot be counted or numbered. So the descendants that I am going to give unto thee. Now the Lord said, Arise and walk through the land, through the length and the breadth of it. For I will give it unto thee. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. So Abram moved from the place about 20 miles north of Jerusalem, or oh, 12, 15 miles north of Jerusalem, actually, to a place approximately 22 miles south of Jerusalem, still on the uh, Jerusalem hills, or the, or the mountains of Jerusalem, they call them, down now south of the valley of Eshkol, now, Eshkol was a, a, a place with a beautiful stream and well-watered, and the grapes in the area of Eshkol were just phenomenal. They still are today. Some of the most delicious grapes ever had in our life came from the valley of Eshkol. Uh, and uh, right near that, of course, is adjacent to the area of Hebron. When Joshua and Caleb came spying out the land some 400 years later, in order to prove to the people that the land was a very fertile land. They picked a cluster of grapes that was so big that they had to carry it in a staff between them. And they, they took back this huge cluster of grapes to show the people, hey, this, this land is really fertile. This is great. So Abram moved south, plains of Mamre, which are near Hebron, some 20 miles or so, south from Jerusalem. And it came to pass in the days of Amraphel, the king of Shinar. Now, Shinar is Babylon. And Arioch, the king of Eleazar, which is Babylonia. And Kedolimer, the king of Elam, which is Persia. And Tidal, the king of Goyim, or nation. So we don't know exactly what nations that comprise. Four kings. Uh, they made war with Bera, the king of Solomon, with Bersha, the king of Gomorrah, and uh, Shineb, the king of Adma. And these 
kings really, and there's no sense of reading their names off because we're not going to remember them anyhow, but they are the kings of the plain, the area where there were five cities in this lush area of the Jordan Valley there that comprised uh, the cities around Sidon. Now, these were joined together in a confederacy in the Valley of Siddam, which is the Salt Sea. And 12 years, they served uh, Kilaamar. So the uh, Kilaamar, the king of um, Persia, had conquered the area and had put them under tribute. And they had been under tribute for 12 years. In the 13th year, they rebelled against the tribute. 13 is a very interesting number, the number of rebellion. And so it is significant that it was in the 13th year that they rebelled. The number 13 is a number that does appear in other places. It's always a, a number of rebellion. It happens to be the number of Satan. Every name for Satan in the Greek, when you take the Gamatria, the numeric value of those names, and total it up, it's always divisible by 13. Very interesting thing. I don't know what it means, but it is just the number of rebellion and has been scripturally the number of Satan, the number 13. And that is why 13 has become considered as an unlucky number. And that is why whenever you get into spiritism, spiritual seances and so forth, and you, you begin to dabble in those realms of, of spiritism, the number 13 becomes a very significant number. I don't know if you've ever been through the Winchester Rifle House. The uh, woman supposedly was being directed by the spirits in, in the building of that house, and she had men working there continually. But as you go through the house, you'll find 13 windows in a room, or you'll find six steps down, seven steps up, and the number 13 is woven through the house all the way in the dimensions of the rooms, in the number of windows, in the steps, and so forth. And, and she used that number through the whole house. It is a number that anyone who dabbles into spiritism is familiar with because so many of the seances and so forth, the number 13 is an important a number to them, and interestingly enough, it is a number of, scripturally, a number of Satan, the number of rebellion. So, 12 years they served the king, and the 13th year they rebelled. Now, in the 14th year, he got together with these kings of Babylon, Babylonia, and they made an invasion in the area that is today Jordan, but in history was Moab, and they invaded across the high country, clear on down to the area of Edom. Uh, the uh, coming down to, oh, it gives you the city, all of the cities that they conquered here. And, and they came on finally across to Kadesh. Uh, they, they came south and then began to move west as they came to the area of Edom and Mount Seir is where it was and then across to Kadesh. Having conquered all of these cities, and archaeology has certainly confirmed this particular part of history here in the Bible, as they have uncovered vast cities that were never rebuilt. They, they just totally wiped out the cities and all, 
took the spoils, and the cities were never rebuilt. They updated the ruins and so forth to about the 17th century B.C. to the 19th century B.C., so that it, it puts it about the time of this invasion, and they've actually discovered many of these cities that are named here, uh, and the ruins of these cities uh, as uh, they have put their spade to the tells and have uncovered really a, a, a vast civilization that once existed there, but they were wiped out by this invasion of the Babylonian Confederacy with the Persian Confederacy of Kings. Now, the whole purpose of the invasion was ultimately to get at Sodom, these five cities of the plain that had rebelled against the tribute that they were paying to uh, uh, Kedolomer, the king of Elam. And so they came, in verse 10, to the valley of Sodom, which was full of slime pits. Now, the word slime pits is actually the asphalt pits. Uh, this was an area of, of a lot of... Uh, tar asphalt pits down there in the valley, which when God sent fire from heaven to consume Sodom, probably set these things on fire and they probably burn for months. Uh, once you get that hot enough to where it's ignited and burning, it probably went on and on and on. So it was an area that was full of slime. It's actually, it's an interesting thing that... Uh, in the Tower of Babel, they use pitch for mortar. The word pitch there again is, is a word that signifies tar. Uh, Rockefeller, when he read the Bible, saw that and figured, hey, if it's tar, there must be oil. And that's why he began to explore for oil over in that area of Saudi Arabia and Iran and so forth. And that's why he became such an extremely wealthy man. He read his Bible and used his head. And so the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there. And they that remained fled into the mountains. Now, of course, if you're down there, man, you know that there's, there's uh, all kinds of steep cliffs and caves and hiding places. And Masada, one of the mountains down there that would overlook the area that was once uh, Tyre and Sidon. And so these kings took all of the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all of their victuals, supplies, and they went their way. And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. And there came one that had escaped, probably one of Lot's servants. And he told Abram in the Hebrew, and of course this is the first time the word Hebrew is used. It probably comes from the name of his great-great-great-grandfather, Eber. And so uh, he was called the Hebrew here. It's a name that was adopted later. Uh, but Israel was the name that really is adopted for the people because of Jacob. And uh, Israel defines more the nation that God had blessed. The Hebrews would include actually the Arabs in a technical sense uh, because they are the descendants of Ishmael. For he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite brother of Eshcol and brother of Aner. And they were confederate with Abram. So Abram had these others that he was dwelling in this area of Mamre with, Eshkel, from whom the valley of Eshkel became named later on, and his two brothers, Mamre and Aner. And when Abram heard that his brother, that his lot, was taken captive, 
He armed his trained servants that were born in his own house, 318, and he pursued them unto Dan. So gives you the size of Abram's wealth and all, that he had 318 men who were his own servants that he could arm for battle. Now you can imagine, uh, you know, if you had that many servants, you'd have a real food supply uh, problem, you know, feeding everybody because you're responsible to take care of them all. So Abram was a man of very vast means, very vast wealth that he could support and keep that many servants. They pursued them as far as Dan. Now Dan is in the uppermost part of Galilee. It's just before you get to the base of Mount Hermon. It's probably five miles from Banyas, where the Jordan River comes right out of the base of Mount Hermon. And so you're clear on up at the northern end of the Upper Galilee, which means from uh, the area of Hebron, he pursued them about 125 miles, which without armored uh, weapons carriers and so forth, that was a pretty long jaunt for these guys to go, figuring that on uh, sort of a forced march, you can get 25 miles a day. You get an idea of how far they pursued these armies. Return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Genesis 13 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. And now may the Lord be with you. And may the Lord bless you and keep you through this week. May the grace of God abound towards thee in all things, that you might experience the full richness of his love and of his grace towards you in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in his name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California.
It is my great pleasure to present Pastor Chuck's commentary on the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles is an open-ended book. Jesus continues even to the present day to work in the lives of people throughout the world through those who have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. This book also includes a special foreword written by Pastor John Corson. We studied the book of Acts, but we never saw the book of Acts. But we were seeing the moving of the Holy Spirit. Calvary Chapel family, may you always be known as a people who pray in Jesus' name. That it would be Jesus Christ. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. May the Jesus movement continue on. To order a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, The Acts Commentary, please call the word for today at 1-800-272-9673 or visit us online to read a sneak preview of the book by visiting thewordfortoday.org.